Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below. And let's get straight into so welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Paulo Flaherty from What's the Score and former Galway hurler himself, of course, as well. Um, I suppose first of all, Paul, obviously we're we're here to recap the, the weekend for for both the, the hurling and the football action. Um, how's life anyway? I'd imagine as a Galway man yourself, I suppose not the not the best weekend anyway. And I mean it, I suppose it can't really get much worse. Yeah, um, thanks very much, Aaron, for having me on. Um yeah, in terms of Galway, uh, both hurling and football codes, um, it's not been great uh, so far or at the weekend. Um, we're, we're with the knockout stages. We're we're knocked out, unfortunately, on both competitions. So um, it's uh, it's a, it's a sickener, sickener. Yeah, because I suppose like at least normally, like when you know, yeah, you have one bad result in in one code, maybe the footballers might go out and and right the wrong. But I suppose like both defeats as well and and sometimes maybe there's a way to lose games but I suppose to lose both of those games in that manner like it's um I suppose a tough one to take given the fact that that's it now for for both Galway senior hurlers and and, and footballers at men's level anyway for up until 2022. Yeah um it's, it's a long wait now till they can go back and kind of um uh Give an account of themselves, I suppose, is you know, back February is probably when the, the league will start, but championship won't be again till May of 2022. So it's a long time to wait um, to kind of get back into the, uh, to to redo the wrongs that were kind of done this year. So, um, yeah, the manner that the, that they lost both codes, um, like the football, uh, it was, it's especially the second half, just the way that they, um, performed like it, it. It was it was very disappointing, and the hurling didn't really. They got going towards the end, but they didn't really uh, give a full account of themselves either. Um, so it's very disappointing uh, weekend for for Galway. Yeah, hundred percent. And I suppose we'll we'll start by run through the football. Obviously, and you were touching on Galway there. It was obviously Galway two way Mayo two fourteen. Like I suppose, like in the first half in particular, it looked like that was the the Galway that I think a lot of people were expecting to see. Maybe when you go way back to you know before the lockdown under Patrick Joyce, but I suppose in the second half, no points from play, all three points from from freeze and place balls. Like, what were your overall uh, thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, like the the start of the game uh, was really good. Uh, Galway were very physical with Mayo, and they really kind of set the tone from uh, the word go. Um, so everyone in Galway like couldn't fault um, you know the first half performance there for, in, in the football. Um, like Paul Connery was doing very well. He scored um, maybe definitely two points I think from play there, one off the left and a fisted one. Um, you know Shane Walsh was very influential um, in the in the first half, and they were they were really physical in the backs as well. Like Johnny Heaney, uh, Liam Silk. Um, uh, Will Kearns was actually very good, kind of nearly all through as well. So um, there, it was it was a classic game of a game of two halves. I actually thought um, I thought Goy were very good in the first half, and then just Mayo came out in the second half, and uh, they kind of blitzed Goy really, um, and they just had no answer. And uh, it, that, that was kind of the, the disappointment that, as you said there, Goy only got three frees in the second half, didn't actually score from play, which you know, you can read that they just had no flow up front in the second half. There was no like uh, trying to you know create goal chances or um, you know get just work some nice play and get some points on the board. Um, Mayo just totally blitzed them in the second half. So um, you, like Goy, they'll be kicking themselves, but uh, it's only really themselves blame. They just they, they just didn't come out in the second half. Yeah, yeah, no, like absolutely. Like I think in the in the second half, it was definitely, you know, much disappointment. I suppose for a lot of Galway fans. And what do you even think, Podrick Joyce even changed maybe in the second half, or what do you even think he got wrong? Because I suppose in the first half in particular, like what you said, like everything was really going really well, and then in the second half, it just um, it all seemed to come crashing down. I suppose. Yeah, um, I suppose like 
Yeah, um, the first half, like it was, it was, it was. Uh, I think it was three four to Mayo, and you know, the game was uh, both both teams are giving it, uh, you know, uh, 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 giving it a right goal. And then the ball came in. Um, I forget who took the shot, but it hit the post, and Shane Walsh was the first man on it, and he just took, had a bullet of a shot straight into the into the goal. And then like Comer, even though he was kind of quiet, really. Um, throughout the game I suppose but he you know when he got the chance he he, he roofed the ball into the net and it was you know two quick goals then and Galway got the real energy from that and Mayo you know they, they didn't really know what to do um the, the half time then I don't know maybe the scuffles uh in the middle of the dugout um as the both teams were coming in uh maybe that kind of got Mayo going and uh some actually some person told me that uh someone left Mayo actually said that uh it started with Johnny Heaney and Aidan O'Shea and they were shouldering in on the way in and uh, Johnny Heaney told O'Shea you can't take your baiting and how he had to eat his words then I'd say um, at the final whistle I know I don't know how true that is this is just, this is just speculation but um, yeah uh, Mayo came out I think uh, I'm actually kind of question what to apologize do I don't I didn't I think Mayo just totally blitzed them in the second half. They brought on like um like Oma McLaughlin and all these kind of lads started running from deep. There was no real bite um to like there was jump. Mayo didn't really get going until the second half, and that's when they really their athleticism, their running, um just like like Tommy Conroy was kind of had a few balls in the first half and then kind of ran into defenders. But uh, there was a point there where he he just bulleted past three lads. And put it over on his left, um, just kind of near enough inside the D, um, and like it was just a total different Mayo, and they just came out and taught. And like Aidan O'Shea was very influential. He put in some. Uh, I love to see, you know the turnovers because he'd lots of um, turnover ball in the middle there. Um, I know I think it was Johnny Heaney was turning the ball and his left his left arm hit where the ball was and just popped out like you know. Um, so he was very influential, Aidan, and like. You look at Jeremy O'Connor, he kind of came off, he wasn't really uh, in it, and um, but like they still had a lot, they a stronger bench, uh, Mayo did, and like Kevin McLaughlin came on, got a, got a score as well, like, and he, um, all his experience as well, really, really told. So I don't think Porridge had the same, um, and I, I wouldn't say it was more of a, a tactical battle that Porridge lost it, I think it was just the strength and depth. And uh, when Mayo put on the gas in the second half, God, just didn't have. Uh, any answer for it mm, yeah because it seemed like anytime Mayo seemed to run up Galway in, in the second half they just seemed to cause all sorts of problems and Tommy Conroy like what you said even though he hit two points he probably could have had a lot more and probably even maybe could have had one or two goals as well with some of the, the chances you know he created and I think like what you're saying there with the, the scuffles at halftime I probably probably did get Mayo up for it and I think I heard it was over a water bottle as well so you, you don't really know what the different rumours that go flying around I know in the Dublin Mayo game last year there was a lot of different uh, a lot of different rumours over that kind of fight as well so you, you never really quite know but I suppose for Podrick Joyce, like, would you still have him as the as the right man? I know he's very, uh, you know, he's he's very much appreciated by a lot of Galway people, obviously for for what he's done in the past. So is he still the, the right man to to carry Galway forward going into twenty twenty two? Um, I you kind of if if you took Podrick Joyce out of it, let's say who who if unless there's someone like maybe like a Stephen Rochford that wants it or a Jim McGuinness that kind of wants it. Who else are you going uh, to get to 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 really get this guy team going? Um, if there was someone, I would say, you know, like like the, of the caliber of Jim McGuinness or Rochford, maybe uh, maybe it's time for Paul Joyce to go. But I don't think there's anyone there to fill the gap at the minute. So I don't think Paul Joyce um, getting rid of him would do uh, Goy any uh, favours at the minute. I think, uh, you know, they got to stick with him. Um, it, like, he, they were doing, like, they were doing well in the first half and he got a lot, he's getting a good tune out of them. It's just that they have to get their kind of, maybe it's just with COVID and everything, maybe they just need a, a better pre-season, uh, get more, find a few, one or two more lads that can come off the bench and make a real impact, uh, like the Mayo's, um, you know, so... I would probably stick with Paul Joyce uh, for the time being. I don't think um, there'd be any. Uh, I, I don't think anyone is rushing to kind of say, "Okay, it's time for Joyce to go." He's 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 not doing whatever X, Y, and Z right. 
Um, I, I think uh, he's, he's, he's a football man. He, he knows he was one of the best in the game um, before. So he, he's, he's, uh, he knows the highs and lows of GA. So I'm sure that um, this won't affect him too, too much. Anyway. Yeah, and I, I suppose as well, like you have plenty of under 20 players obviously coming through, like at the, the moment as well, like Tom O'Callaghan. I think I'm not even too sure if he came off the bench in the in the Mayo game, but you have plenty of lads coming through there as well, like from from the underage setup. So I suppose, like although it's a, a stint in the in the road, like you do still have plenty of of talent. And we've seen like Matthew Tierney and Paul and yeah. Sean and Sean, and Sean Kelly have come through as well. Like so, still still plenty of talent there. Yeah, and uh, I know the, the captain came on, Jack Lynn, then came on cornerback there. Um, so I forget who got it. It's, I think someone got injured and they had to, they had to go on. Um, and Jack Lynn came on number 18 or 20, and he was captain of the under-20 team that won the All-Ireland there. So, um, yeah, the, uh, Matthew Tierney is a great find as well. He, he, like, he's, he's a great kick off his left, his left-hand side. Um, Jonathan, he's a real good strike of the ball. And even from play, he's, he can be very influential for kickouts and uh, he can score as well. So there's a lot there that Park Joyce can, uh, can work on. Um, and he could find a few more lads as well in pre-season, um, like coming to the league next February and stuff. So um, I, I, I think there is a lot of talent there. Um, I think Joyce probably is the right man, unless, as I said, there's someone else to kind of come in and uh, take the reins. Um, I, I would be going with, uh, with, with, the, with the young lads that are coming. Absolutely. Like, and I suppose for Mayo, like touching on them kind of briefly, I mean, obviously they march on to a, an All-Ireland semi-final, which will be against either Dublin or Kildare. I think most people would fancy it would be against the Dubs. I mean, would you give Mayo much of a chance going into that game, given the fact that I suppose Dublin have certainly looked a little rocky anyway at, uh, at so far in, uh, in 2021? Um, I, I, I actually do, because um, the, the, this performance against Galway, they didn't get going in the first half. And uh, James Horn, uh, they had the scuffles at halftime, but James Horn definitely, um, he made a few tactical changes and he also probably gave them a good bit of stick as well. And the, and the, and the, the character of the team really came on. Um, then the, they're very, very young. Um, like they've got, you know, McLaughlin, uh, Conroy, like the two lads in the field actually I thought were very impressive. Um, Connor Loftus and Matthew Ruan, like Matthew Ruan had, had an unbelievable second half there and he got man of the match uh, deservedly. But like they don't have that same fear factor playing Dublin, um, you know, that maybe if you still had Andy Moore in there, if maybe Colin Boyle was playing. Um, you know, the same kind of lads that have played them four or five times in a row there the last few years and they just can't get over the line. But these kind of younger lads, they won't have that. They, I think they'll be uh, chomping at the bit to get at this Dublin team, which the Dublin team hasn't been um, going. They're not the same Dublin that they have been going the last few years. So I think Mayo actually, I didn't think, got out of like, you know, they didn't really go, they didn't shoot the lights out um, yesterday. And that will come, James Horn will know that and he'll be like, you know, there's a lot more in you lads. So like, give it everything now um, uh, against Dublin. And I think they can go up another two or three notches um, from the, the Goy game. So like, I, I think there's, there's um, I would give Mayo a good chance against uh, this Dublin. And even if Dublin play great against Kildare and they win by 14 points or whatever, um, I still think Mayo will still have. They'll just concentrate themselves. Um, James Horn is around a long uh, is around a long time to know um, to get his team ready. Uh, he's played Mayo or played Dublin uh, on several several occasions and have jumped you know, got within two to three points replays and all that. So I, I do give Mayo a, a big chance. Um, we're presuming Dublin beat Kildare, um, so I would give Mayo a big chance against Dublin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I suppose like they've they've shown down the years anyway, even with some of the young lads as well, like what they can do, and and there certainly does seem to be a bit of a fearless attitude about Mayo, like even in the in the second half against Galway. Like, and I know even for myself as a Dublin fan, I'm kind of like there is a kind of a, a sense of of 2012 about the 
the Dublin and Mayo game where Dublin kind of achieved such a huge feat in 2011, winning their first All-Ireland in 16 years and had a lot of players retiring and kind of, you know, seemed a little bit over the hill in 2012. And Mayo had a, a lot of young lads coming through in that kind of uh, year as well. So, like, I suppose it's not impossible for Mayo. They certainly do have the talent. And, I mean, on any given day, especially where, I mean, if, you know, if they have Dublin going down the home stretch in a similar way to what Meade did, I mean, anything could really happen. Absolutely, yeah. And I think um, that it's an All-Ireland semi-final. You don't have that kind of extra mm. um, pressure of, oh, this is, a, this is an All-Ireland final with the kind of, you know, that, um, that hoodoo in uh, Foxford and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I do, it's an All-Ireland semi-final. Um, Mayo, like, they, uh, they got 214 against Galway, but I didn't think they got, they didn't hit the full heights. Um, do you know, like, against Leitrim, they were just attack, 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 ruthless all the way through. Um, I just think that there's a bit, I didn't think they played to their heights against Galway and still got over them by six points. Um, so I, 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 I would give Mayo, um, I think they've, they've got a lot to, they've a lot left in this championship. Yeah, like, and I suppose because they looked like they were getting better as the as the game went on as well. Like, it looked like they kind of still had another gear to go up on in the in the final kind of ten to fifteen minutes. I suppose like another team, obviously, they'll be hoping to to end Dublin's duck uh, at some point anyway, or maybe they might not even play Dublin if Mayo go on to to, to beat them. We'll see what happens. But it was Kerry four twenty two, Cork one nine. I suppose this was an absolute maul and in the end, I mean, in the opening 10 minutes or so, I was kind of, you know, saying to a few other people like Cork could end up maybe pulling this off again. But once Kerry got going, I mean, this was, um, I mean, this was over really by half time. Like, yeah, um, it was a great, it was a great first quarter because everyone was, uh, I was getting a bit like, geez, the Corker, the, the Hurleys, the two Hurleys, um, Matthew and Brian were, were scoring there from play and they were really playing lovely football. Um, and then it just, since the, the after the first quarter, then I, I felt it was just kind of, uh, Kerry went in, I think they went in five points up at halftime, something like that. And mm-hmm. then uh, the second half, then they just completely, um, they just completely uh, ran, ran ragged. So, like, they're just, Kerry are going really well. Um, Peter Keane doesn't say doesn't say much, but they, they really are going in the right direction. Um, uh, like, David Clifford only got one point um, from a free, and your man, I think Powter was man marking him, or maybe it was O'Leary, I forget. But, um, like, he did a, a jump without David Clifford shooting the lights out. They still got 4.22, and um, it's, it's very, very impressive. So, like, if, if, if Sean O'Shea doesn't play well, then you kind of have Paulie Clifford. If Paulie Clifford doesn't play well, you have Paulie Ganey. If Paul Ganey doesn't play well, you've got Clifford, David Clifford. You know, they've got talent all over. And Jack Barry then was, um, got a few scores, and David Moore is very influential there. And, like, Thomas Sullivan in the first half when... Kerry Warren scoring, I think he got two points in the first half in the cornerback, like, you know, so the lads that can score from all over the place, um, they, they look really athletic, really fit, um, and I think if I to predict the, you know, the, like, the the two semi-finals are going to be huge games, and it's going to be the real top four in Ireland playing against each other, whether it's Armagh or Monaghan, versus Kerry, it'll be a humdinger of a game, um, I, I reckon. And then you've got, like, it's probably going to be Mayo and Dublin. And it's going, that's another uh, fantastic uh, semi-final. So the, 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 two, the two semi-finals should be uh, big, big spectacles in, in the GA football world. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I, I suppose what you were saying there about David Clifford, I think it was um, Sean Meehan who was picking him up, but... Yeah, like I, I suppose it kind of you know yeah. reminds me again a bit of um, of Dublin in some ways. The way you know if Dean Rocker or Conor Callan have an off day, like they'll still end, end up beating Meade or whoever by ten to fifteen you know points or whatever. Like and the fact that I suppose you know Cork were able to keep Clifford scoreless from play, and I mean st- Kerry still outscored Cork. I think four four twenty two to eight you know four points in the. In the final, you know, from the first water break onwards, which is um, quite the statistic. So, I suppose for Kerry, like, I mean, are, are they the favourites in, in your book at this moment to, to win the All Ireland? Because, like, what we're saying there, Dublin's certainly looking a little rocky at the moment, and Kerry are are definitely like, I mean, they've they've some attacking talent all across the pitch, even their defence as well. 
Yeah, um, and like uh, Brian, I think Brian, uh, I can't pronounce the second name, but yeah, Dylan got a goal, like, and he's, he's a wing back cornerback uh, as well. And Tyg Morley got a, got a point, and he, he's uh, known for his full back or wing back. We have um, talent everywhere, like, you know, against Tyrone. Um, you know, they show the form, they're bringing the form that they had in the league into the championship. Um, so it, it's really um, Kerry are probably the team to beat, and it's uh, you know it's going to be very hard. Like uh, Pro Park should suit all the because they're very athletic, very uh, fit. So um, I I would put Kerry up up the top. Of Just on performances so far, obviously Dublin with their records, you know it's hard to look past them. But with the performances that have gone in this year, you'd have to put Kerry up the top. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I suppose Paddy Clifford as well. I mean, he's been some addition to the to the Kerry team, and you kind of wonder how he didn't get in the Kerry team in the past. Um, considering you know how good of a job he's done, like the the link man and, and very much kind of the quarterback role, I suppose in many ways for that Kerry team. Like, I think he's favourite at the moment to be footballer of the year, and you can't really you know bet against that at the moment. I mean, we'll see what happens between now and the end of the year, but. I think a lot of people had David as probably uh, footballer of the year at the start of the year, and you know, Paddy Clifford's kind of, I suppose, had a, an exceptional year for the for the Kerry footballers. Yeah, well, it's it's great, and it it, um, and it gives everyone kind of in other counties or lads that are just breaking into teams that that this is possible. Like I can do, you know, this because he's only in there, you know, very recent and for the. For footballer of the year, I know that, and that's that's a phenomenal achievement. All other young lads, maybe if there's a young lad coming into Galway, the young lad coming into, um, you know, Dublin, whatever, Mayo, Manahan, uh, Tyrone, maybe whatever, that like they they can, you know, this, this is this is possible, so they can really they can make a real impact on their team, senior team. So Paddy Clifford, yeah, he's been. I think Thomas O'Shea was saying that that he. He was kind of saying that he should be in there for the last two three years and couldn't understand why because he was uh, very influential for his for his uh, club team. Um, I think it's East Kerry or, or um, that's his, that's the team he plays with. But um, it, he's he really is playing outstanding stuff. He is really a, a playmaker. Is uh, like whenever he gets the ball, there's just kind of danger. It's kind of like a Kieran Kilkenny. Whenever he gets the ball, he's kind of a real playmaker, hand pass, give and go, or uh, just creating something. Um, so it's very hard to leave. Like if if you want to man mark Paulie Clifford, then you know you can't man mark everyone. You can't man mark David Clifford. You can't mark man mark Paulie Clifford. You need to kind of have some lads that will be able to kind of have a bit of freedom with go off, go off the pitch and not be kind of. You can't man mark six six on six, you know, backs and forwards. Um, so yeah, he is he's, he's playing phenomenal stuff, and I think it's, it's great to uh, for for football in general. I think it's it's great to see. Yeah, like I suppose that'll probably be a lesson for Freud or Tyrone or Monaghan in, in, in an All-Ireland semi-final in terms of even if you keep Clifford scoreless, I mean, there's still so much options, so many players and Kerry even have a, a wealth of talent to, to bring off the bench. I suppose from a core point of view, like obviously very disappointing, like they only hit four points after the the first water break and they led by by four points going into the first water break. So. I suppose very disappointing from from their point of view, and they do have a you know a, a great crop of young players coming through. They're probably the favourites to win the under twenty All Ireland again this year. So I suppose they probably will be back at some point further down the line. But at the moment, anyways, it does uh, make for some some grim viewing for some Cork supporters. Yeah, um, like if you looked at the first or not the telly you'd be and you told them the full the the full-time result no one would believe it um it's not that they it's not that cork are bad um it's not like they don't have good footballers it's just that Kerry were Kerry are really just a bit of a the same kind of guy in Mayo just like Mayo just a tiny bit just a step above Galway and I think it's the same with Kerry Kerry are really Kerry are really professional athletic um, you know, just uh, ruthless in what they do, and Cork just unfortunately are just 
uh, getting the, the brunt of it. And like you've got lads like Luke Connolly as this unbelievable footballer, Ian McGuire there in the middle of the field, very good. And um, you know, the Hurleys, as I said earlier on, um, you know, they, they'd make, uh, they'd all make other inter county teams uh, in Ireland. So it's not that they have bad players, it's just that uh, Kerry were just uh, on the game. They, they, it might have took a, a while for them to wake up, but once they once they started, there was no stopping them. So um, yeah, it might be grim viewing for Cork, but as you said, they've they've got it's kind of like always. Well, they they've got younger lads from under twenty, um, minor teams there that are coming up. So um, Cork is a big county, so there's there's definitely going to be players there. It's just about how to kind of um, gel them uh, all together and get up to the to the to the levels of Kerry's and Dublin's and stuff like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like definitely, definitely do have the the talent coming through at the moment, and I suppose it's it's maybe similar to the Galway footballers, and in, in some ways with the with the wealth of players that they're bringing through, that you would feel at some point over the next five to ten years that it probably will click uh, at some point. Anyways, I suppose moving on to the to the hurling action. Um, you obviously had uh, two games, and of course in the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship, one game obviously a, a league relegation playoff. But I suppose touching on the the two. Uh, championship games I suppose mainly like it was Waterford 130 Galway 320 um, an unreal game of hurling but I suppose from from your own point of view as a as a, as a Galway man yourself and obviously haven't been involved with the panel before I mean not uh, I mean I, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on it anyway because definitely not a, not a year many people were expecting for, for Galway this year yeah, um, it's it's an awful strange year for for Galway hurling. Um, like I, there was a like if you go on the league performances there that were less than a month ago, let's say Galway were the farm team. Um, they were racking up big scores. Um, they were like it was younger lads coming in like Finton Burke. Um, John, there was younger lads coming in and they were really making an addition to the old they just got caught in the hop against Dublin and everyone's like okay um, we, we're not sure what's going on here we'll, John, they'll surely bounce back here against uh, Wadford and uh, John, they'll, they'll put in a solid performance first water break I think it was 9-7 to Wadford it was just like it was okay Like there was a bit like there was no real big hit there was no big um, well, uh, Diver gave Kellum Lines a, a massive shoulder, but then he hand passed it actually outside, and Jamie Byrne put it over the bear. But like besides from that, it was, it was Galway were very kind of again flat. Cole commentary there on Sky, he was like, he just couldn't put his finger on it. He just but like as as I kind of watched the game, I actually watched it again to see kind of like where did it, where what was happening, and like just from the Galway point of view, like they just weren't using. The the extra, especially in the second half, they didn't use the extra man really at all to their to their um, advantage. And Waterford were using like Lean Cal did his homework very well. He was like they used their strengths against Galway, and the, Galway didn't really have any response. So like you, when Callum Lyons got the ball in, in the in the back, or Jamie Barron, and Peter Hogan was very class. I actually thought because he, he was just getting the ball and going. They were just running direct, and then once they uh, passed someone else, they had an overlap, and it was just a quick hand pass to Jack Prendergast or you know someone else that was that was uh, kind of on the sixty-five yard line, and they were just popping points in. And once they got that momentum uh, in the second quarter, they, I think it was one eight to two points or something like that. They just couldn't. It was very hard to come back from that. Like you know, there were ten, I think it was ten or twelve points down at half time. In inter-county hurling, like it, to be down that much against a ward for team that are full of running, um, you know, tails are up. It was always going to be hard. Credit to Galway for coming back, but it, it was definitely a, a, a too little to bet. Um, so it was, it, it, it's Galway hurling this year. It's um, it's it's strange like the two championship games, two losses. But if, if you had to go in the league form, I, I don't think anyone could have uh, predicted. The, the two championship performances that were going to come. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time since 1991 that Galway have, have ended a championship season without a win, which I suppose probably puts it into perspective for, for most Galway fans anyway. Like in, like what you were saying there, like it was kind of reminiscent in many ways to the 2018 All-Ireland Final against Limerick where you were so far behind. And 
all of a sudden got going then in the final five to ten minutes and you were you were and even watching the, the game against Waterford you were kind of wondering why they didn't maybe start that run you know 10-15 minutes earlier because if you did and you were playing that way for the entirety of the second half or at least the majority of the second half I mean you probably would have turned it around because I think Waterford definitely may be just a little nervous towards the end I remember they they missed one or two chances that they normally score so I suppose you kind of were wondering why Galway just didn't click into gear a little bit earlier yeah, um, like uh, the uh, the second quarter was probably uh, taking a few notes. Like, Goy got three points and Waterford got six, and we had the spare man in that. And from the thirty fifth minute to like the whatever the fifty third, that's uh, we we nearly lost the game in that in, in really in in that kind of because like you had the spare man, you, you you need to get momentum now. This is the time where if you get your twelve points down. You get it back to six or or seven, let's say, and you win that second quarter by six points. Then pressure is going to come on Watford. They're going to like retreat and say, "Okay, we won't give away goals." But then if you stay, keep that scoreboard ticking, then you know that's when um, that's when uh, it'll really get nitty gritty towards the end. But God, I just didn't. I just, it was very. They'd no no one really. Got the game by the scruff of the neck and said, "I'm going to take this on now. I'm going to like, I'm going to get two points in play here. I'm going to head down or anything like that." It was very like the ball was going over the line. Waterford were very cute in what they were doing. They were going down with, you know, let's say whatever a, a head injury or if they need a drink of water or whatever. And four or five minutes as well of kind of just. So that's when I I thought when I when I watched the match back again and I saw that second quarter, uh, or the let's say the quarter after half time, that's when I thought oh it just they needed to push on. They didn't use the spare man like Park Manion was. I think it was Park Manion was sitting back or Shane Cooney, and they weren't really like if you let's say take Waterford if they had the spare man they were they were running like Jack Prendergast. Um, Peter Hogan, Jamie Barron, Callum Lyons, Shane Bennett, even though he's playing centre-back, he got the first score of the game, like he was powering up and he was winning, uh, every time they were running direct to Galway, they were getting frees. Um, John, Austin Gleeson was back there as well, like, you know, um, so they just really, they had a game plan, it worked it worked really, really well for Waterford and Galway just didn't know how to re, uh, react to it. Um, they, they kind of did Joe Canning in the in the full four line for the full, for the whole of the first half. Not much ball was going into him. I don't know. Did he get maybe one or two balls? It was just Watford were just blitzing Galway's half four line. Joe Cooney won a, a few frees and a few uh, puckouts, but and Conor Whelan won one or two as well. But they just like every time the ball went to ground, mid the war from the field were were exceptional, and um, that. And that's that's what really worked well, um, and and got them over the line. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I think in the end, like it was just Waterford's in, intensity, I suppose, in the first half that that proved to be a big difference. I suppose you were touching on Joe Cannon there. Like obviously he he broke the you know Henry Shefflin's record for all time scorer, I suppose, in the in the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. I mean, it probably went under the radar in many ways because I suppose it's you know obviously given the the defeat and the manner of the defeat, it probably hasn't been spoken about enough. But I suppose having trained alongside Joe Cannon and, and played alongside him before, I mean. It's uh, quite an incredible achievement, I suppose, for himself to to break that record. Yeah, so like um, as I was saying, it's a bit um, of a anti. But then Derek McGrath went on to some other point about Watford in defence or in the midfield. So um, yeah, it, it's a fantastic achievement. He's he's an unbelievable player, and he trains like he's an unbelievable trainer. He's a great leader. Um, in amongst in amongst the team, and he does his talking. A lot of his talking is done on the pitch and scores, and uh, you know, really getting uh, behind lads and everything. So um, he's a I think his, his like his shot is 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 he's very um when he hits the sweet spot, it's it's very hard uh, to to it's going straight between the posts or into the net. He's a, he's a ferocious shot. Um, as a I, I, like I would. And I wouldn't like to be a goalie on the 20, uh, trying to save one from him because he's a bullet of a shot. Um, so he's a, he's, a, he's well deserved. Um, 
it's, it's great that a, a guy man has it. Um, how long will it last? I'm not sure. You know, there's, there's always someone coming around the, the the corner there waiting. Um, John, sure, Patrick Horgan is is up there somewhere as well, and there's other players that will come along. But uh, it's it's great for Joe, and uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of an anticlimax, but it's a, it's a great achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think Patrick Horgan isn't um, isn't too far behind, and I suppose he's still young enough that you feel he'd probably catch up to it eventually. I suppose looking at Shane O'Neill, obviously the Galway manager, like just looking at his um, his championship record, like two wins, four losses. I mean, I've seen some. I think someone was saying on Twitter there he's been Limerick's biggest asset over the past um, the past two years. I suppose it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't gone too well, I suppose. I mean, and I know a lot of people are kind of saying maybe it's time for a bit of a change. But what do you think yourself? Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Um, two years, yeah, it's 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 a long it's a long time, but it's also a short time. Um, as well, is it long enough to keep him on? It's very hard to know. Um, yeah, like the, just a few like yesterday, now like the, just in terms of like team selection and kind of um his philosophy or what was his thinking behind it, you know. Sean Lennon came in now, maybe he must have been going really well at training. He started the corner forward, but was kind of out in the middle of the field and he kind of picked up an injury, so he had to go off in um with 30 minutes to go. That was a very risky kind of a move, especially in a game where you've just lost to Dublin. You're putting in someone new that hasn't played any championship time. And then you're, you're leaving lads like Johnny Cohen that was, and David Burke, who didn't even come on, um, with their experience that, you know, go, we need to bounce back here. You've got to get these guys on, on the field. And then, um, you know, I just thought that was a bit of a, a strange one and that David Burke didn't even get a run. And uh, the Sean Lennon started. And now also I thought like Finton Burke has been playing seriously well in the league. He's a real strong um, asset to uh, a half back line there or anything. He didn't feature either. I just thought that was a bit of a, a strange one. Um, but it's, it's probably easy to say it now, but like it's just I'm struggling to see how they, they must have been. Maybe these those lads are going well in training and he couldn't um, possibly not pick them but uh, for people outside just people supporters fans we just kind of found it a bit strange um two wins in six games in in the in two years isn't it kind of brings it's nearly like uh when anthony cunningham in 2013 there when um or 2014 the last qualifier and he only had two wins or very few wins in his two first two years ago as man, manager but then he got going to an All-Ireland final in 2015 and I think it's kind of the same here the players are kind of there like even Limerick are they're probably saying that we're the biggest asset or Shane O'Neill is Limerick's big, biggest asset because we I thought we were kind of number two we were uh, behind Limerick in the kind of rankings let's say um, you know, because there's some seriously good hurlers in that team like I thought actually Conor Whelan was very good at the weekend even though you know they they lost. He, he was always you know, hungry for the ball whenever, and he got a few points to play. Um, it, it, you got the two Mannions, Joe. You know, unfortunately, they didn't play to the heights that they can. And Joe, you know, I don't, I don't think Joe Kenning got a, a, enough ball, and he probably shouldn't have brought around again to the middle of the field. So, for Shane O'Neill, it's a tough one. I know there's a few people saying that um, they're kind of looking elsewhere, and again, kind of the same thing with Paul Joyce who would you bring in is, instead of Shane O'Neill? Is there someone there to kind of, I know, like David Fitz could be out of a job maybe. Um, would he be the right man? I'm not so sure. I don't think it's, I don't think his type of hurling would suit Galway. Um, but if there was someone else to come in, um, I think Shane O'Neill might be, might, might be, might depart. But um, it's not looking, it's not, if, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they said Shane O'Neill has resigned or uh, he's he's leaving or something like that. Mm, yeah, because I suppose Davy Fitz was kind of flirting with a Galway job, I think, wasn't he, before um, before Shane O'Neill took over. So I suppose that would be an interesting one. But again, I'm not too sure whether, uh, you know, traditional Galway hurling people would want um, Davy Fitz in, in charge, I suppose. But yeah. I think, um, and a very good point there that you just said, traditional. And I think that is a huge point into the game that happened at the weekend there. You've got traditional hurling now, like you've got 
Kyle Hayes, perfect example, gets the ball in the halfway, goes, and Jeremy Burns as well, massive strike there from the halfback um, jump there. And Declan Hannon actually comes up the field sometimes too. Like halfback line is nearly as good as your full forward line these days. They need to be scoring and adding to the scoreboard. You've got, I, I think Gower were just too traditional. You've got Dahi Burke there, um, that was six, like great hurler. But like I, he was bursting, bursting up the wing, but he's not renowned for that. Do you know, Gawyer, a, a mm. bit more traditional, like Aiden Hart, even though he came up last year and got a goal against Tip to actually get them to um, to get them over the line against Tipperary last year. But they they weren't they weren't using the traditional type of hurling. Um, and I think of Shane Cooney might have been the other wing back then. Like they they weren't flooding up the field and hitting uh, shots from sixty five yards out and pinning them over the bar. While if you look at Waterford, that's pure the kind of modern day hurling where you get the ball, it's a 10, 15 yard hand pass or strike, hand pass, and you're shooting kind of nearly from midfield uh, over the bar. Like you know, Jamie Byrne hit a ball, uh, uh, one thing off the ground into uh, Ozzy Gleason's hand after a sideline, and he just drilled it over the bar from, uh, from, the, uh, from the halfway line. So I think that's a very uh, Good point there that you made that the goer maybe are playing a bit too traditional in kind of just one pass and straight into the full forward line. But they they do have the players like if, if Connor Whelan is inside, if Brian Cannon is inside, and they're getting good quality ball, they're very hard to kind of stop. So um if they can just mix up a bit of modern hurling with their traditional hurling, um, because I think all all like you've got you know Wadford. Claire, very uh, very modern, you know, with 10, 15 yard passes. Cork are very, you know, short game as well. So I'm not sure Goy getting left behind in the traditional. Um, even though Kilkenny always play traditional and they they're 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 um they're still in the semi final. So they just need to get a bit more of the modern day hurling, I think, in in the positions. Yeah, I suppose it's probably about finding the the mix as well. Because we even seen with Kilkenny in the league at different stages, they were kind of playing a bit more kind of modern hurling at different stages and then in the Wexford game they were kind of you know going back to the to, to a little bit of their old roots like and I suppose like obviously you might have a, a fair few retirements in, in the Galway panel maybe over the next couple of weeks but I suppose you do have the likes of your Brian Concannons and your Jason Flynn's and a few other lads there like young lads in the in the team so like it might be I think what a lot of people are saying maybe is there might be a bit of transition for for Galway hurling over the next couple of years but at the same time, like we've seen with Limerick in, in 2018, even the Cork team now, sometimes bringing through those under 20 players can can actually be a good thing because, you, you know, you could catch teams out because teams mightn't be as prepared as, as what they would have been in the past. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, uh, I think Goal actually have kind of put in a few players the, over the last few years, like, you know, uh, like Evan Island came in there, he came on, he got two good scores. Well, that's probably again, maybe he should have brought him in earlier. Maybe, you know, he he played very well in the league. And, you know, why wasn't he start? Maybe corner forward went out in the middle of the field or something like that, you know. It's a bit, it's a bit strange. Like Finton Burke, another young lad that's after coming through, fantastic, strong. He's strong as a bull and he's been playing there for Thomas is there as well in uh, the club championship, even in the All-Ireland series there. John, he was, unfortunately, he did his knee that time, but he was American, um, John, he was American TJ Reid, like, you know, and uh, or Conal Fenley, one of the, one of the other. But, um, but he has great experience under his belt. So th- I think there is, and like Darren Marcy is a new lad. He was corner back there, unfortunately got injured, but like Jack Fitz came on from, um, Derek Fahey, unfortunately, Ana Murphy had a COVID. He came in first championship start. He, he did not. He didn't put a foot wrong. So there's definitely young lads coming through. It's just about gelling them all together. Where, like, you know, the likes of Joe. Where, where is his best position? Connor Whelan, who's been around for a long time. Pars, the two Mannions. Where are their best positions and kind of fit the young lads around them and gel um, a good team and then uh, uh, get your kind of good. Um, people off the bench then like you know to make a real impact like Jason Flynn like um Joseph's question that why didn't he start but would he would he have got two one in fifteen minutes if he started, you know, or uh, over that time. I think he I think that was that was like a perfect sub. Um I actually think that that's the way subs should come in and make a real impact. Like two one is a is a massive impact. Maybe you know scoring one or two points is is, is kind of what I'm thinking, but he got two one like you know I, like if I come on as a sub and your your expectation is to get two one, 
Jesus, I don't, I'm not sure would I, would I be able to get it, but um, like I thought he 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 did a, a, what a perfect sub should do, kind of come in, change the game, and um, he was very influential. Um, but and ta- and ta- and going back to your question there about retirements and stuff, I think it depends on the manager. Um, like if they brought in someone new, uh, they could they could like say, okay, we're going to go in with you know, let's say they just bring in. Uh, David Fitz, just as an example, like he might say, right, I'm going to bring in all these young lads that are around in their 20s, and Joe and uh, Davy Burke and Johnny Cohen and Niall Burke, like, uh, thanks for your time, but your 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 time is up, kind of, um, and you might just play all the young lads instead. So I think it depends on the manager. Another manager could could come in and say, right, um, I think there's still an an All Ireland in. Joe and David Burke and all these lads we're going to stick with you and gel the young lads through some way shape or form so I think it does come down a lot comes down to the manager and what and whether lads will retire or walk away or um, whatever else mm, yeah absolutely like it'll definitely be one worth uh, keeping an eye on I suppose over the next um couple of weeks and months to see what changes there are and and whatnot I suppose from a Waterford point of view I mean obviously it was a huge win for them considering that they I suppose it struggled a little bit in the leash game the, the week previous I mean it was kind of back to the to the vintage Waterford really of uh, of last year like kind of getting to that All-Ireland final they obviously played Tipperary next in the in the qualifiers like where could you see Waterford go from here because I suppose when they play like they did in the first half and even at stages in the in the second half, you know, with 14 men, like they definitely, they mightn't be the best team in the country, but they're certainly up there and, and, and in with a chance. Yeah. Um, it, uh, they're using their game plan very well. If they could keep using the game plan and dom- and dictating the games, like they were in All-Ireland last year, like, you know, so it's, it's, not, it's not strange to see them back in it or, uh, you know, to beat Tip the next day wouldn't be a strange thing at all. Um, like uh, uh, just like the Jack Fagan there, like he's kind of he's kind of their kind of puck out strategy, kind of like he's a big man, he, and the breaks kind of come off him, or else they kind of go short and and work the modern day hurling 10, 15 yard pass to Jamie Barron in the middle of the field, or you know uh, that kind of uh, thing, and so they've kind of kind of got Jack Fagan as an outball, and they have Desi Hutchinson then inside as another outball who is just fast, lively. If he's isolated one on one. He can, you know, head for goal and, and make things happen. And like, you know, it, uh, Connor Gleeson now, unfortunately, probably got a red card. Probably won't feature in the game against Tip. Could be a bit of a loss, but they do have subs to come in. Like the John you know, that Airlines is coming on with the red helmet. He, he's he's uh, very influential. They got Neil Montgomery, Kevin Moore, and actually didn't come in the last day, but he's very, you know, he's he was uh, he was class in the in the final against Galway in 2017. Um, so they do have strength and depth in, in, in their panel. So I would think Waterford can go a long way. Um, like Tipperary, they probably would have rather maybe Dublin. Um, I think that would have been an easier draw for them. Um, but Tipperary, they're a good side as well. They 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 can score from anywhere. The same as kind of Waterford. Like you've got you know Bubbles, James Callan, and Jason Ford. John you know, Field, and they've got you know Rona Maher that can score from long range. Alan Flynn. Uh, Mikey Breen can kind of he, he kind of drifting in from the half forward line to midfield. He can score as well. So, um, there it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be the game of the weekend. I think uh, in, in terms of Cork and Dublin, I think Cork. Um, it, it'll. I, I don't think the them two teams are up to the same heights as Tip and Waterford just in terms of just quality and just overall kind of bench and team and everything. But uh, I think Waterford if Waterford get over the Tip game. Who knows? Who knows? Because um, they'll give any, they'll give either Limerick or Kilkenny a, a, a rattle again. So um, yeah, I, I, I think Waterford could go a long way in this championship. I don't think they're finished uh, at all yet. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Like I'm be saying, they they obviously beat Kilkenny last year in an All Ireland semi final, so I'm sure they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't have any fears or, or worries going into that game. They've had a quite a decent record actually in the championship against Kilkenny over the past uh, two or three years. So, mm. um, and I suppose you had Clare and, and Cork. We were kind of touching on Cork. It was Cork three nineteen, Clare one twenty three. Um, again, kind of like similar to the to the Galway Waterford game in some ways, like a late push from from Clare and you had Patrick Collins making that save from Tony Kelly. I mean, I mean, like it. 
like I think it, it lit up there for Clare fans. I mean, they must have been surely thinking the ball was going to end in the in the back of the net and it was going to be a fairy tale win, but not meant to be. Yeah, that's exactly what that fairy tale win or fairy. That's what you dream of when you're a young lad. Two points down, last puck of the game, and uh, you know you're running and you're soloing in and you're you're striking it. And but yeah, I think you have to give credit to the goalie. The goalie could easily just you know just you know did something mad or something, but he stood his ground and he made a great save because uh, like Tony's shot was you know he, he he's a great strike of the ball as well. Um, so yeah, the game was um, you know. Uh, uh, if, as you said, like Cork were kind of up, uh, were leading for a lot of it, and then Clare kind of came back towards the end. Um, but probably again too little, too late. Um, it, it's very interesting to see how they'll do. Like they kind of got the the easier side of the draw now against Dublin, so you probably would be expecting Cork to kind of push on. Um, is it Lim- like is it Limerick? I know Limerick kind of schooled them, I suppose. Um, there uh, earlier on this year, um, Kilkenny or you know Kilkenny are always Kilkenny big passion and everything. Would Cork give them a game? Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not so sure. So it's hard to know. Um, I th- I actually thought Clare were going to win. I thought they had a, a lot left in the tank. You know, um, they had a great win the the week previous. So it's 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 uh, against Wexford. So it's it's um it's Cork. It's it's hard to it's. We'll see you know, how the how Cork get on against Dublin, but um, yeah, it, it was good. I thought Clare were going to win, but uh, fair play to Cork. Yeah, I'd Clare down as well for a, for a victory. I thought they were coming in with a bit more momentum and I suppose had more championship games and, and championship wins really over the past um, past year or two. So I would have fancied Clare as well. But I suppose for Cork, like we were saying earlier, with the fact that you know you have your likes of your Galways and your Kilkenny's who maybe still have that old school style of hurling we can see corker you know very fixed on going for goals and getting their wing backs forward and almost playing like gaelic footballers in many ways and like with the wealth of talent that they have coming through from under 20 level like with shane barrett and alan Connolly coming off the bench like it it is it is kind of similar in some ways to to limerick in, in 2018 whether they go to that same heights maybe not but certainly at the moment like they are on an upward trajectory and you would feel at some point over the next five years that they probably will crack the code and, and get to an all-Ireland final or, or at least come close anyways yeah you would and it probably wouldn't be no harm either for for kind of hurling in general in Cork because you know they are there like it's kind of Kilkenny and Cork were kind of the you know the, the traditionists of of, uh, of the hurling world there and they haven't been really around um, in a in a long time there, like they lost to Clare in 2013, and haven't nothing really close in, except for maybe the semi final against Limerick, um, there in 2018. But um, yeah, they they're 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 rejuvenated, as you said. There's a good few young lads like Conley there, and Barrett, uh, Jacko, I think it's Jacko Connor there, corner forward. He got a goal, and um, he's he's new enough on the scene. He's young too as well, um, so. They've got a lot of pace, you know, um, like Derek Fitzgibbon there. He's he's youngish, let's say he's two, 23 or four, I think. John, you know, he's um he's you know, really lots of pace there. Luke Mead, um, John you know, Donald Cusack is highlighting him there uh, on the Sunday game. Like he was very influential in kind of being a, a playmaker, um, hitting the ball into the the into the full forward line or making short uh hand pass that are um just influencing the game around the middle of the field. So um, they're definitely on the upward trajectory. You're definitely right. Um, probably just need to maybe a bit of luck, a bit of momentum to get them um, you know, to an All-Ireland final or something like that. But they definitely have the right kind of structures in place. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, yeah, I, I think they, they could go fair in a few years' time. This year, I'm, I think, well, I'd be very surprised now if they lost Dublin. You know, I think... They they have they've got that win over Clare now. It, I I just think they they'd have enough for for Dublin. Um, and then you know, they're in All Ireland semi final and who who knows after that. But uh, yeah, they're 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 definitely going in the right direction and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I suppose Dublin are kind of ravaged with a few injuries at the moment and a bit of a mm-hmm. COVID situation there. So you probably would. You would have to fancy uh, fancy Cork. I don't think Dublin will be able to emulate the the Cahoy win, unfortunately. But um, I just have to to kind of just slide that in there. 
<laughs> yeah, you might as well. You might as well know. We can't. We can't. Uh, we can't see Anthony until next year. So you might as well get them. Get them all the way. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be on yeah. the end of a, a beaten next year. Yeah, probably be like 15 points or something like that. But um, I suppose Leash and Westmead to to finish up. Like Leash obviously won that game, 127 to to 27 points. Obviously staying in the in Division One. I suppose they, yeah, Davy Glennon, obviously former Galway hurler in the the Westmead side, and obviously they won the John McDonough Cup last week. But I suppose for Leash, like in the end, they stay in Division One hurling and in the Leinster Championship, like avoiding relegation in uh, in both. Yeah, um, it's 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 massive for it was massive for whatever team uh, won, but uh, Leash just got uh, there uh, at the end. I actually watched this game um, fairly like sat down. Um, uh, in good detail like the, the the first half like Westmead were all over them like you know the first quarter like uh, Leashed I thought were there's no way back here like you know Westmead were doing you know Niall O'Brien was flying at Niall Mitchell and you know they were really David Glenn as you said like he, he's always wasn't the one thing that he was doing in, in Galway there for the last few years club with Molia or in the Galway setup there he was always buzzing and that's why they brought him on so many times as a sub maybe for Galway that like he always gives you that kind of burst of energy and he'll lift a team um, and he's always a good man to get a free as well because uh, he, he he's good for kind of I wouldn't say diving no, but like just good for kind of um claw moss in the free or whatever but um yeah he, like he he was very he, he was very influential um in in the first half and then it kind of went the they were on top and then they there was a kind of a scuffle then just towards the end of the first half and I think uh, it was Craig that got uh, a red card then and that really changed the game um in terms of like I think the leash were 10 points down at this stage like you know this is like you know like there's no need to go over and I think he stamped on his leg like kind of when the ball was kind of it was just over, over like right in front of the, the linesman so he couldn't miss it and he just stamped on top of his knee or something like that you're 10 points up like there's no need to do it but um, it happened anyway but uh then Leash kind of came out in the second half, you know, they've got Paddy Purcell, they've Willie Dunphy, they, like both teams have, and Roddy King in, in the full forward line, they, like if he didn't get that goal, I think it was 18.9 and he got a, a, a flick of the hurl into the net and it was 18.19 then at half time. Um, it's like, if, if they just, if they just kind of maybe get more game management uh, with me, definitely would have got over the line and maybe they were out uh, the week before uh, celebrations might have caught up in them a small bit but uh, I know they're saying on the Sunday game that they should bring up the like there's no benefit here for both sides kind of going down or and up and kind of a yo-yo every year but they want to inst- uh, extend the, the teams in the league I, I, I wouldn't see why they can't the football obviously do it well um, they've got eight teams in their league so like and they, they run off the game so like why can't uh, the hurling have maybe eight and eight, you know, division one and division or division A and division B? So I think it wouldn't be. I I, I don't think it's a massive thing um, to do. Obviously, we'll see what the the GA kind of. I think a lot of people are pointing fingers at why they can't do it. I think it'd be good for Kerry and uh, Kildare and you know Westmead and Leash again and Carlow that they don't have to kind of go up and down, surviving relegation one year and then promoted another year and back down again you know you need a few years to kind of develop uh, into the division one kind of setup you can't be you can you won't be used to it for one year and then go straight back down again you know so um yeah it's uh, uh sorry completely going off the point there but uh, yeah it was it was very good uh it was a very good game but leash just got over the line um yeah and well deserved to, to cheddar I, I actually really like him as a hurling man and, and as a manager so uh, fair play uh, to leash yeah, hundred percent. It definitely was a huge win for Leash, all right. Like and like what you were even saying there about the the kind of structure of the leagues moving forward. Maybe even I was even thinking like they should even probably have maybe eight teams in the in the Leinster Championship at the start of the year because you would feel like it is kind of more or less the the same teams in, in relegation battles next year. Like you've got Leash and Westmead both in the in the Leinster Championship next year, and you'd probably feel even like saying this today, one year previous, that it'll probably be you know at least one of them in a in a relegation playoff again. So like, yeah, I mean, although all the the you know talk is about restructuring the football championship, maybe just some slight tweaking to what is already a brilliant hurling format, I suppose. 
Yeah, like you, you look at the games there last weekend, uh, John Goy, Waterford, even though it, there was only four points in it, but it, it was it was it was a good spectacle towards the end. Like John, if uh, if Goy put up a bit of a more of an effort, it would have been John, one or two points. Uh, the Clare and Cork, John, it was it was tit for tat there as well. So the hurling championship, um, John, I think uh, a lot of I forget, I think it was Shane McGrath. Think had it up tweeted that like he's been in Thurles the last three weekends, and he just said like it's it's three fantastic matches that have uh, taken place there, you know, and like you had Clare and Wexford last weekend, you know, um, very good game. So there's nothing I wouldn't there's no real I wouldn't change the championship in hurling. I think everyone's kind of happy with it. I know you're kind of saying maybe extend Leinster out to eight. If if they don't get time in the league, then they're just going to get blitzed. If they're playing Division Two hurling and then they're expected to kind of play a Galway or um, John Kilkenny straight off the bat, where they've been playing maybe a, w- a Wicklow or a Kildare or uh, no offense, like you know, to then mm. kind of rank teams, but like you're going to come up against uh, way higher opposition, and you, you, I don't think putting putting them straight into the Leinster Championship would help. I actually think definitely put them into the league because if when I was playing, let's say. Uh, in our time and we play this is when we get a run like you know whenever we have to play Kerry or maybe just uh, not uh, as a as a a top team if you have to go down maybe to Walford just jump for the long journeys or whatever they might jump rest Joe Canning this weekend rest David Burke and rest Niall Burke uh, all these lads and they give the fringe players also a good good rattle they give us you know a a chance and that's when you have to like take your chance and get your jersey and um that's just the way it was, John. If we had to play Carlo or whatever, so it it'll be a good opportunity if they for even the likes of Galway, Kilkenny, they can see more players if they if they if it was gone out to eight that they jump there's a game on in Carlo or um, let's just say there's a game on in Kildare league game, and um, John we might John rest a good few maybe six or seven lads and give the the fringe players that don't train as hard as the senior team but don't get as many game times. So I think it will be I think it's it's, it's a, I think it's a win win for um, the younger team the younger or the the not so good let's say um, counties so they get to play teams uh, the, the higher teams and then the higher teams can kind of maybe rest a few lads and see other lads uh, fringe players uh, how they play so I think it's the and like the football run off the league it's, it's the exact same like you just play the same weekends um, the same structure as the, the Alliance football league so um, with the A team so I don't see um, how they I, I think it's a great idea if, if it could be done yeah, hundred percent. out definitely. I think do a world of good for a lot of uh, up and coming counties. And I suppose Offaly are another county very much like mm. they beat Wicklow six thirty to eleven points. Didn't see any of the game, obviously, but I suppose like you would fancy Offaly to to come through the Christie Ring Cup, like with no disrespect. I think they're playing Derry in the in the final. They won at the weekend as well. Like so, I suppose good to see uh, Offaly hurling back on the on the rise again after a few uh, disappointing years. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it, uh, I think Michael Dignan is doing a fantastic job there. And you, you look at the under twenty there against Dublin during the weekend football, even like you know they're really um, like it's it's good for it's good for neutrals and uh, the GA to see uh, results like that. You know that um, there's just other counties. It, it, the GA is about getting as many counties involved or giving them a chance to win because it's an all Ireland competition. It's not a four or five kind of uh, competition. It's an all Ireland, so every kind of county should have a, a a fair crack at let's say um winning all Ireland. So um I think yeah it's great to see Offaly kind of coming back. I think they'll you know no offense to Derry. I think you know it's Offaly are just uh, will be too strong for them. And like just involved with what's the score let's say and I'd be you know talking to Offaly kind of uh, club teams there. And a few of the jump you know, the PROs or the, the people involved in the clubs kind of said that it, when when after you're playing Division Two that they mightn't actually some of their players would rather train properly with the club than actually playing um you know, the Division Two Christie Ring let's say they want to play the All Ireland they won't give the time and commitment so like it, it, that's you know, when you hear that kind of thing that's a worry so that's again another reason why if they were playing Galway in a Division in Division One, and it was extended to eight. 
you know, it, it, they 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 won't, you know, they, they want to play the they want to play at the t- at the highest level, you know, they they love a crack at John you know, Mark and Carl midfield or uh, whatever it may be. So um yeah, it's great to see that they they're coming and I think they'll probably win the Christian. Hundred percent, yeah. Like now, I think I think because that's what we want to see is more teams. Like, and I think even seeing Antrim this year, kind of, you know, being very competitive. And now they they ended up going down from the Leinster Championship. But I think you know the more teams, the better. Like we can we can definitely have uh, you know a much more competitive uh, All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship moving forward. I suppose before we wrap up, like obviously, with what's the score? I mean, I imagine you're you're busy enough at the moment with all the the club activity and all the, the club games that uh, I suppose are coming back and we've club senior football championships now that are, and, and hurling championships that will be back, of course, in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's busy and it's, it's, it's great to be busy. So uh, I was a lot of time there with COVID that there, was, there wasn't anything on. So yeah, it, we're just preparing here now as best we can for um, the club championships. I know, I think um, Clare now is starting in a few weeks and I think Sligo, they kind of said that they're going to, a few of the clubs there said they're starting, I think in about two weeks time. So yeah, there's, there's loads of clubs coming back now um, and it's great to see. So um, yeah, it's, as uh the, the more clubs we can get the better um so yeah it, it, it's great perfect perfect well look listen i'll uh, i'll link it down below uh, as always for anyone to to check it out and cheers paul anyway for for coming on and, and giving me your time cheers aaron thanks a million cheers